Well, good morning, Potter's House people. It's Pastor Adam here back at you again. We are so glad to uh, have you joining us once again for this Wednesday edition of the Bible and Brew. I've got my brew and I've got my Bible. And as you can tell, uh, as you might be able to tell, I'm down here at the uh, at the church uh, building uh, today. Uh, Wednesday is my is my day that I can focus on church stuff. Thankfully, uh, I have a Holy Ghost a boss who allows me to uh, take the day off on Wednesday so I can focus on church stuff. And uh, so I've got my whole day planned out. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, we're going to have uh, the abbreviated version of the Bible and Brew today because uh, I've got a fire inspector coming today at uh, 9 a.m., so uh, I'll have to make sure that we close out about 8.55. But uh, we just wanted to say thank you once again for everybody joining in. Please let us know uh, who you are, where you're listening or watching from. Would be a great opportunity. Also, just wanted to, to give a quick uh, reminder that uh, this uh, video, this is a live video that we do on Facebook uh, as often as we can, weekdays at 8 a.m., uh, give or take a few minutes, <laughs> um, but also that we are uh, publishing this uh, as an audio-only format through our church um, uh, podcast. So uh, that church podcast is labeled as VBPH Sermon uh, Sermon Podcast, and that is available anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. If you're a podcast listener, uh, we hope that you will find that useful. All right, so we're going to jump into the Word of God today. Uh, welcome, Brother Andre. Glad to have you with us once again. This guy is faithful to the Word of God, so I appreciate your faithfulness, bro. 2 Kings uh, chapter 8, if you will join me there. Uh, did I say 1 Kings? I meant 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 8. As you can tell, I'm not all the way through my first cup of coffee. <laughs> it's always a challenge. But God is a faithful God. All right, we've got 2 Kings chapter 8. And here we go. We are still um, chronicling the, uh, the ministry of Elisha, who, uh, as he um, contended to receive a double portion of his, uh, of his mentor's leadership and ministry. Um, there's an interesting factoid from the Bible that uh, the, of the recorded miracles of both of these men of God, that Elisha had exactly double the amount of miracles that are recorded uh, by Elijah. So that's pretty interesting. We're going to see one of those miracles that's recorded here in 2 Kings chapter 8. Let's see what it says. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven days, seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. 
The king talked with Gehazi, or Gehazi, depending on how you say it, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. All right, so um, I would say that this is important because um, this, this is a story of holding to the promises of God. Holding to the promises of God. See, we must be a people that take God at his word. And um, sometimes what we're seeing in our life, sometimes what we are experiencing in our life is not what God has promised to us. Now, I'm not saying that we should be the, the you know, the, um, the prosperity doctrine, the uh, blab it and grab it, the name it and claim it, you know, faith movement, uh, so-called faith that says, you know, all things that you... Uh, that you claim from God are automatically yours. Um, that is um, selfish and foolish, I believe. Um, but when we lay hold to God's promise as it is according to his will, that's where we can begin to lay hold of the claims that God has given to us. So for example, here's this woman. This is the same woman, the Shunammite woman. Uh, whose son was raised from the dead, and uh, she has a promise. And so she has to fight to receive that promise. So uh, not every promise that God gives to you is one that's going to automatically just flow into your life for, you know, uh, for, for no other reason. So when Jesus spoke about the promises of God, his message was that if you knock, the door will be open to you, if you ask, it will be given to you, and, uh, and if you seek, then you will find. So what's interesting to me about that is that the things that you find, the, things, the doors that are open to you, and the things that God gives to you are responses to your first action to ask for them. This, this is what this story is teaching us. This woman has to make a demand in order to uh, in order to receive God's promise. So um, let's see. I'm going to just move forward a little bit. Let's check out 2 Kings uh, chapter 9. And uh, just because I'm skipping around a little bit doesn't mean that we should uh, you know, skip over our Bible reading. I want to really encourage you to make sure that you go back and read through all of these chapters uh, because... The word of God never comes back void. How many can testify to that? All right, so Elisha the prophet comes. This is, uh, this is 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 1. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready. Uh, take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat. 
the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee. Do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. Then he arose and went into his house, and he poured the oil on his head, uh, and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And I will cut off from Ahab all the males in, the, in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like Baasha, the son of Ahijah. The dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said, You know the man and his babble. And they said, A lie. Tell us now. So he said, Thus and thus he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. All right, so this is uh, the man of the hour who has been called to bring uh, vengeance upon Ahab and Jezebel for the many crimes that they have committed against God and against Israel, and not the least of which mentioned here is that they have killed so many of God's prophets. And so, coffee, one second. <clears throat> and so um, Ahab and Jezebel, of course, were a demonic pair. Uh, he was king over Israel. She was his wife. And they uh, were responsible for the many, many uh, deaths of God's people in Israel. They had killed the prophets. And the reason was because under Jezebel, uh, Ahab allowed her to become um, basically a high priestess to false gods and set up all kinds of idolatrous places of worship. Uh, and so apparently there were also prophets at the time that were standing against what they were doing, standing against these uh, these houses of idolatry. Um, but wherever men of God stand, there will be those who oppose. There will be those who, um, who will seek to destroy the work of God. So it's nothing new. Persecution is not anything new. It goes back to the Old Testament. Wherever we strive to do something right for God, there will be forces that come against but here's the good news. The good news is that God is watching and God is avenging. You know, we have this whole series from uh, Marvel Comics called The Avengers. Um, well, superheroes do a very imperfect job. Superheroes are not actual real things. <laughs> but we, you know, if we want to see things avenged in our lives, and all of us have a desire to see wrongs being made right. That's part of how God made us with a 
with a sense of justice, with a sense of uh, knowing when injustice has been done. And I guess the, the message that I want you to take from this is that King Jehu, it, it represents God's, um, God's effort to bring revenge or vengeance against evil that has been done. So, you know, there, we, we witness evil on a daily basis, don't we? We witness uh, injustice. We witness um, crimes that go without punishment. You know, I think about, I think about you know, how many uh, rapists or uh, molesters, you know, have committed crimes against uh, uh, innocent young women, even in homes. You know, there are so many that we know about that have been prosecuted and people, you know, even in that situation, get off free. But beyond that, how many, how many of these cases are there that never get reported, right? Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, these monsters are, are uh, attacking children and those children don't know to defend themselves. And, you know, it it turns your stomach to think about uh, how often that may be happening in in places all across the world. And things like abortion. You know, if I think long long enough about abortion, it starts getting me angry. Uh, because to think about the thousands, uh, the millions, you know, babies that are being ripped from limb to limb, right in their mother's womb, in the place that they should be the most safe. Uh, they, they never got a choice. All of this discussion about, well, I believe the woman has a choice. But what about those those tiny women and those tiny little boys and girls? They they didn't get a choice whether they wanted to live or not, and uh, and so there's a deep injustice that is happening on a daily basis in our nation and around the world. So the question is, how do we deal with injustice? How do we deal with it without you know uh, without <laughs> throwing bombs and uh, becoming violent? How is it that we can deal with injustice? Um, well, I believe it's a faith issue. I believe it's an issue of, do we truly believe that God is a God of justice? This scripture proves to us that God is a God of justice, that he does not forget the evil that has been done against his people. He does not forget, and he will bring vengeance. He is going to use Jehu to bring revenge for those prophets of God who have been Destroyed. I would love to hear any feedback that you might have um, along the way here. And, uh, and then we have here, um, in verse 27, we have the fulfillment of this command that God gave to him. So uh, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 27. When Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagan. So Jehu pursued him. Good morning, Patrick. How you doing, buddy? Um, So Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Ibleam. And then he fled to Megiddo. That's a very important place in the word of God and in Bible prophecy. Megiddo. It's a place of uh, battle. Armageddon. And his servants carried him into the chariot in Jerusalem and buried him in the tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the 11th year of Joram, son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. Now, here we go. Verse 30, uh, 2 Kings chapter 9. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. Ooh, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head. 
and look through a window. This is so interesting how Jezebel tries to uh, avoid Jehu. Uh, and looked through a window, and as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? Is it peace? And he looked up at the window, and he said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. All right, so let, let's get a little bit of context here. So... Uh, Jezebel understands that he has been commissioned by God to come and really destroy her. And, uh, and her, her initial tactic is to get all fancied up and pretty. And so um, the, the thing about Jezebel here is that she's revealing something to us about the spirit of Jezebel. I've talked about that a few times as we've been studying this story. The spirit of Jezebel seeks to overthrow the spirit of Jezebel always seeks to twist men of God, always seeks to, uh, to, um, to manipulate situations. There is still today a spirit of Jezebel, and don't for a moment think that it only applies to women, uh, that men can carry a spirit of Jezebel also. Uh, but here, there's something very interesting that's revealed about Jezebel, is that she, she depends on the attractiveness of flesh to try to get her way. Now, I know that men and women would never try to do something like that in 2020, would we? Well, certainly I wouldn't, but there are people certainly uh, who can use the attractiveness of flesh to try to get their way. That is also a mark of the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, don't fall for this. Thank God uh, that Jehu was, uh, you know, she's... Jehu was not buying what she was selling that day. And, um, you know, uh, I heard uh, an old preacher say that uh, for ladies who are getting overdressed in the church and putting on, you know, um, mounds and mounds of makeup and showing off. And, and uh, the question is, if you're not for sale, uh, you know, uh, what is it, how does the saying go? If... Uh, if you're, if you're not for sale, then why the price tag or something like that? I should have thought about that before going into it. But uh, so here's Jehu. He doesn't fall for this. He's not buying what she's selling. And so he begins to shout up at the palace. And he says, who is on my side? And there were some eunuchs. So a very common practice back in the day was to have uh, temple eunuchs. So these are men who's... Uh, who they've been, uh, you know, they've been castrated, they've been uh, robbed of their manhood, we could say, and so they are serving as the queen's servants, basically. And so there are some eunuchs there with him, and he and he said, "Throw her down." So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. Wow, what an end to Jezebel. So she is destroyed by the very servants that she trusted. And this is always how rebellion ends. This is always how uh, it brings, comes to pass is that, uh, you know, rebellion cannot stand in God's kingdom. Um, so when you operate in rebellion, in the spirit of rebellion, do you know what you are releasing in those who serve you? 
guess what? A spirit of rebellion. And so it's no wonder that even her closest servants turned on her at the last moment and uh, trampled him underfoot. Uh, so then they go to bury her, and the, uh, th- this is mentioned in order to bring about the fulfillment of God's prediction of the, uh, of the prophet Elisha. So it says, they went to bury her, verse 35, uh, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came back and told him, and he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah. On the plot of ground of Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, going all the way back to the prophecy of Elijah. All right, let's jump to our New Testament reading, and that is going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Join me there, ladies and gentlemen. So glad to have you with us. I want to remind you, we uh, continually need your support here at the Potter's House. We need your financial support. Please continue to help us. Uh, we appreciate that so much. Here's the link if you need it. And uh, God's going to richly, richly bless you when you help the kingdom of God with your finances. So uh, please don't forget about that. Also, just a quick announcement. Uh, midweek recharge service is tonight at 7 p.m. want to really encourage anybody who sees this. Um, um, make sure that you are here for our service this evening. Uh, we continue to practice social distancing, checking temperatures at the door. Uh, if you are sick, please do not come. We don't uh, want to even chance anything. But, um, you know, as long as you're feeling well and can wear a mask uh, as we come in and out of the building, then please come and join our service. It would be wonderful. All right, so here we are in Acts chapter 16. And now the church is getting serious, man. The church has uh, experienced persecution. Uh, Paul has been uh, converted. And so now they are going on a missionary journey. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing about the book of Acts and about all um, Pentecostal churches is that we have a heavy spirit of missionary work going into the nations, investing in winning souls around the world. So here we go. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Oh, Timothy, uh, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. All right, so that's important information. Um, Timothy uh, does not come from, you know, um, a well-bred family, you could say. So this was... In the, in the culture, in the world at the time, this was, was to be seen as a put-down. Timothy was, yes, he had a Jewish mother, but he had, a, he had a Gentile father. So in the eyes of many Jewish people, he did not belong. He was not fit to be a Levite. He was not part of the tribes of Israel. And so, you know, from the Jewish point of view, they said, we, we could never use a guy named Timothy. So, verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. He took him and circumcised him. Whoa, why, why, what, what, and why? Well, well, because, it says here, because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, this is really interesting because... Paul is the same guy who argued 
against Peter and many others, uh, many other Jews in the Jerusalem Council, he argued that circumcision was not necessary. <laughs> so why? Why the circumcision? So sometimes there are things that are not necessary, but would be really good. You know, that would be a good idea. Uh, is it necessary to change your tires every 50,000 miles? Probably not necessary, but it's probably a good idea, isn't it? Uh, is it necessary to, uh, to change the oil every three months or every 3,000 miles per the manufacturer's recommendation? Probably not necessary, but you know, it's a really good idea. Um, is it necessary to come to every single church service? Now, you know, you could still say stay saved and come Sunday morning only, but is it a good idea? You know, that is a really good idea. So this is one of those situations where Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, look, you're going to be ministering in a place where there's a lot of Jews. And if you want to have, uh, if you want to have favor with them, this is going to help you. Even though it's not necessary, Timothy, this is going to help your ministry. And, uh, and so this speaks uh, volumes to me about the relationship between Paul and Timothy, doesn't it? That there is a relational bond here that Timothy trusts Paul enough to allow him to do a circumcision ceremony on him. And uh, that is no light thing, is it? <laughs> that is a serious deal. And uh, because of the bond here, because that uh, later Paul describes Timothy as his son in the faith, uh, that's what fathers do. Fathers, um, fathers, the father's action can be described as, um, as a cutting away of the flesh, right? So when mom, uh, a mom's ministry for most kids, you know, the mom is there to comfort the flesh, to uh, to ease, the, to feed, and to diaper, right? And so it, it's a good thing that we have moms around because if all we had was dads, we'd probably have naked babies running around everywhere. Well, we wouldn't have any babies, technically. But you know what I'm saying. They would be savages <laughs> because, um, because moms do a really good job at taking care of the, of the body. Uh, but dads, dads have a, more, uh, have a more spiritual calling, which is, to uh, to train and discipline children, this is much more needed in boys. I think um, you know I have two girls, and to be honest, uh, yeah, I have to correct them a lot. Um, it's not to say that girls are perfect, but boys especially have a certain flesh that needs to be cut away, a certain um, wildness, a certain barbarism that is buried deep within and without fathers around to, uh, to cut that away. It's, uh, you know, th this is, this is part of the reason why we're seeing so much, um, you know, so, so much devastation. I think, I think to myself, how, how many of these young men and young women, um, probably didn't have fathers in the home, uh, to, to correct them. So anyway, here's Paul, a fatherly figure who circumcised Timothy. Uh, this is not a necessary thing, but it's a good idea, Timothy. And so he went through that with him. 
Um, and verse 4, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. One other lesson to learn here uh, from Timothy is, is that if we're going to have effective ministry, pastors, leaders, disciples, if we're going to have any kind of effective ministry, it's going to require a great personal sacrifice. Timothy had to endure a great personal sacrifice in a very personal way so that he could be an effective leader. Don't think that you're going to be any kind of leader or mentor or you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to make a difference in the world without paying some kind of personal price. How many can testify? There's a price to pay. Uh, and so... Uh, the famous Macedonian call, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they came to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them there. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision... Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so uh, there is a personalized call that God puts upon Paul and his followers to go to Macedonia. A man calling to him in the night in a vision. So um, I think it's important that we pay attention to the vision that God gives to us. Uh, because without this vision, uh, the gospel would not have made it. Uh, into that region, into Macedonia, the European um, region. From there, a Philippian jailer gets saved, a Lydia gets baptized, uh, and great success comes because they followed the vision that God had given to them. Um, so I guess we can, uh, we can close it out there. I just want to uh, say thank you once again for following along. Uh, the rest of your Bible reading plan is in Psalms 143. And then Proverbs 17, 26. Don't miss out on that. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great day. And we'll see you back again here for Bible and Brew.